What's going on, everybody? Welcome or welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are recapping the NBA action from Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. We had a 13-game slate following the zero-game slate on Election Day. That was a break in the action, promoting the everybody should go vote from the NBA. That that was a great thing for them to do. There was no distractions. You couldn't say, oh, I have to watch the game. You had to go have the chance to vote. So shout out to the NBA from doing that. But the day after, we got right back to NBA action. 2016s were in action for nine, excuse me, 13 games. I know math. Um, and yeah, we had some good games. I was really interested in some of the matchups. They had the uh, intercity matchups, which I kind of like in terms of the uh, Knicks and the Nets and Lakers and Clippers. Those games, you would think they would be competitive. They weren't. Um, Double-digit wins for the both of them. In the Knicks and Nets case, that was a, almost a 30-point victory. But, yeah, looking around the association, teams like Utah, they aren't going away. Utah is not going away, which is surprising to me. 10-3 record so far. That's the, that's the most surprising team of, of the year by far is the Utah Jazz. But you look at Boston, they, they ride the ship. After the kind of sluggish start, defensively still on the way there. But Portland, they're eight and three. For Dallas, Luka Doncic finally did not score thirty points again. Streak ends at nine, which is still a historic feat. The second best start to a season in NBA history outside of Wilt Chamberlain. Just great basketball all around. We have some of the most talented players that we have ever had. And that makes for exciting basketball, and I'm blessed to cover it. So, without any further ado, let's get straight into things. The first game of the 13-game slate is the Orlando Magic taking on the Dallas Mavericks. And in this one, it was the Orlando Magic beating Dallas 94-87. This game was won without Paolo Bancaro, the number one overall pick, who's been averaging 23-8-3 on the year. By far their best player, the focal point of their offense. But in the case of the Magic, they had a guy by the name of Franz Wagner who stepped up for them, kind of looking like he's going to be their second option, offensively at least. We look at 22 points, 6 assists, and 3 boards, 9 of 17 from the field. Really good production, and he's a guy that when he gets to opportunities, he can score. He can give you 15-plus on any given night. The goal and the hope for the Orlando Magic would probably be that he can be a 20-point per game scorer at that forward position next to Paolo. That would be a very formidable duo as time goes on. Wendell Carter Jr. also tipped in 13 and 12. And overall, just a really good win for the Magic. They aren't getting too many of those on the year, although they are 3 and 3 at home. So, I mean, maybe that's something, a sign of things to come. Maybe they can end up going 
500 at some point at home, maybe continue that for a bit. Of course, I think they would eventually want to lose more than they win for the simple fact that they they struck gold getting Paolo, but eventually they're going to have to get some more guys in here. And this draft is loaded. You can easily see a chat home. Not chat home. We want Victor, Victor Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson fitting right into this system. Maybe more Victor than Scoot because they already have so many guards. But they would love to get an ultra-talented guy, a generational talent like those two. Paolo's going to be great. Is going to be a generational talent? Um, I don't think so. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be a multi-time all-star, potentially all-NBA. Again, it's only like, what, four weeks, maybe a little bit more into his NBA career. So, you know, we give him time. But ultimately, they want generational. And I think they got a chance to get someone generational in this draft. Going to Dallas, like I mentioned before, Luka Doncic's streak of 30-plus points to start the season ended at 9, which is still majorly impressive. And you talk about Luka Doncic in the past, he's been criticized for coming into the season often out of shape, often more weight on him than we saw the previous playoff run. I think the fact that he was playing overseas, I believe was the FIBA tournament, this past summer, he was in shape. He was playing all summer, playing right up until training camp and then right into training camp. NBA season started. He's been in great shape. He hasn't lost his touch. And he's been doing, quite frankly, amazing things. This game, probably the only blemish on that. Shooting 9 of 29, 2 of 11 from the three-point line for 24 points. Still had six assists, six rebounds, which by almost any other player in the world standards. That's a pretty damn good game. Those are all-star, borderline all-star, if not all-star numbers. And if you're giving that on a consistent nightly basis, you're pretty good. <laughs> you're a pretty tough tough kid. So we have that going for Dallas. Spencer Dinwiddie, 29 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. I like to see this, but I'm mad that he doesn't do this more consistently. Because we saw in Brooklyn, he's definitely capable of putting up all-star numbers on a consistent basis. Right now, he's averaging 17 points, three assists, four and a half, ass- no, three rebounds, four and a half assists, which are good numbers. But for this team to really go far in the playoffs, which when you have a guy that's a top three player in the world and Luka Doncic, you have to have a sidekick because you're going to go far with just him, but to really make it to the promised land, get that championship, you need to have a second guy that can really get buckets laid down the stretch because in the playoffs, defenses are different. Yes, Luka has proven he turns it up to another level, which is hard to believe already because he's at such an elite level during the regular season. In the postseason, we've seen him put up some historic performances against the Clippers those years. And against Phoenix, we saw last year in the postseason, he's just another dude. But again, you need to have someone that you can lean on. For Dallas last year, that was Jalen Brunson. Now Jalen is a New York Knick. So Spencer Dinwiddie, this is his time to shine. He has the ball. He's going to be the second ball handler on that starting lineup who really doesn't have any other ball handler outside of Luka Doncic. Yes, it's a very heliocentric offense, with Luca being the focal point, but Spencer's going to get those opportunities. And off the bench, 
when you have a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr., who's not necessarily a ball handler. He's more of a catch-and-shoot slasher type of guy. Spencer's with that unit, he'll be able to work. He'll be able to be that facilitator. He'll be able to score in that lineup as well because Luka won't be dominating the ball. So, Fenton Dinwiddie, he has opportunities to get his. I suspect that as the season goes on, hopefully Jason Kidd will sort of, ur- sort of urge him to do that more. Because he has a talent. He has the ability, the scoring prowess, all of that to get his own shot, create for others what you need in the NBA. Next up, we have the Denver Nuggets versus the Indiana Pacers. This game was close, but Denver ultimately squeaked by with the W, 122-119. to And this was despite a 23-point first half by rookie Benedict Matherin. Okay, I just want to go straight to him because for Benedict Matherin, if Paolo Mancaro was not the superstar to be that he is, that he's looking like right now, Benedict Matherin would be the rookie of the year pick for mostly everybody in the league. 20 points, 3.5 rebounds, 2 assists. This dude is coming off the bench about 28-29 minutes a game. If you put him in the starting role, which I'm surprised Rick Carlisle hasn't done yet for Indiana, but once he gets that nod to be a starter, 25 points, 4-4 four and four easily. And for Indiana, that's something that they have been wanting since the departure of Paul George. Um, just that dude that can just get buckets. Of course, they've had guys like Malcolm Brogdon and their TJ Warren, who's a bucket getter, but a bona fide star, which Benedict Matherin, he looks like a guy that could be a all-star for this team. And Tyrese Halliburton, who I've loved since he was drafted, he went to Sacramento. I think he's one of the best facilitators in the NBA today. He had 21 points, 12 assists. He's constantly getting double figures in assists. These two all-star backcourt in their future for sure for Indiana. What it comes down to is the surrounding pieces, but when you can say, oh, I have two all-star guards that can score, that can facilitate at a high level. Matherin has the athleticism to be able to defend at a high level. Halliburton, three steals on the game. He's crafty with that. Long arms. I mean, damn, like that's that's a backcourt of, of the future, if you ask me. And look around, you see Miles Turner, 14, 11 rebounds, three blocks, a steal as well. You look on their bench, you see a guy like a veteran, TJ McConnell, someone that you want. Isaiah Jackson with 17. Hey, there's some good pieces on this Indiana team. They're still young, 5 and 6 on the year, right below 500. I would suspect they're maybe in that play-in play situation with their talent. Maybe they opt to slide down in the standings to try and get a, a pick, or a really good pick. I, I doubt they end up getting number one, but maybe a lottery pick for sure. I wouldn't be shocked because they have something that they're building here. They have something that's legitimate. And for Indiana fans, I think they would like that greatly. Going to Denver, Nikola Jokic. 24 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Rather quiet night by his standards. We know he's the the Serbian Mr. Triple-Double. He does that on a consistent basis. Aaron Gordon with 18 and 16 boards. That's a great showing for Aaron Gordon. 
Jamal Murray with 18, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 16 off the bench for Bones Highland. This is just a team, I've said this before, I'll say it again, a team that is deep, a team that has the reigning two-time MVP and Nikola Jokic. He has supplementary pieces now. Last year, he had essentially G League-level players surrounding him. And he was doing the best he could, but it just wasn't enough. Now he has an all-star caliber guard in Jamal Murray, a potential all-star. And Michael Porter Jr., Contavious Caldwell-Pope was a champion. Bones Highland looks like a guy that could be a six-man-of-the-year candidate. They have a bunch of guys. Bruce Brown as well. I forget about him. Like This team has a lot of depth. Jeff Green as well. I, I forget about him, but he's a beast as well. This team is deep. This team has some playoff chops, some playoff experience. And if they end up in the semifinals, even the Western Conference Finals, I wouldn't be surprised. That's how deep, that's how talented this Denver Nuggets squad is. Next game up on the slate is the Blazers versus the Hornets. And this one, it was Portland taking it 105-95. to This game marks the sixth straight loss by the Charlotte Hornets, who at this point are looking like a team that without LaMelo Ball is struggling offensively. Defensively, they weren't good last year, but offensively, they were top five. Now, without their orchestrating LaMelo Ball, without one of their top scorers and Miles Bridges due to legal issues, this team is struggling mightily. One of the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference. Once LaMelo Ball gets back, I suspect this team will start to get more wins, uh, 500 maybe. I, I thought this team would be a play-in team, maybe, maybe get in to the playoffs. Um, this start isn't indicative of what their full potential is because without LaMelo Ball, you're missing an all-star caliber guard. You're missing a 20-plus point per game score, seven assists, seven rebounds type of dude who's most likely improved in all major categories. He, he will once the season starts. I have no doubt that he'll be a, a game-changer for the Charlotte Hornets. But until then, you know, they're going to be struggling, and... On the other hand, for Portland, 8-3 and three in the year, you, you question whether this team is for real, whether they are believers. We've seen the Dame Lillard Blazers, you know, they can have some pretty good starts. They can have some pretty good seasons. But uh, in the playoffs, is, is it enough? Do they have enough talent? Do they have the uh, ability to defend at a high level? That's really what their issue has been. They've always had scoring. They've always had Dame and CJ and uh, guys that can score around them. Their issue has always been defensively. That's going to be their, something that they have to improve on as the season goes along. But, again, 8-3 to start. Dame and Lillard, 26 points, 7 assists, 8 of 16, 6 of 12, 4 of 8, 50% everywhere. Uh, <laughs> that's just a fun little stat. Um all-star, all-NBA guard. Damon Lillard is back. It's a beautiful thing to see. Um, after his injury, uh, you know, the history of small guards is not kind. When you talk about smaller point guards, it's like, okay, once you're in the mid-30s, once, you know, you've had some injuries in the past, we see, we see it with guys like Chris Paul 
it's like, okay, you can still produce, but uh, are you going to be that same guy that we can rely on in late-game situations? We can rely on a deep playoff stretch, which Damian Lillard won Western Conference Finals. He got swept. We haven't seen him in NBA Finals, which honestly, certain people like Damian Lillard, it's a damn shame that they haven't reached NBA Finals. People like Dame, people like James Harden. Um, well, Harden made it in, in 2011, but he wasn't the same guy. So, James Harden, asterisks, whatever you want to say. Um, Joel Embiid, although he still has time, he's still young. So, certain players not getting to be on the biggest stage is kind of a shame. Especially once they're getting older. Like a Damon Lillard, CP3 finally made it against the Sun, against the Bucks. excuse me. But before that, it was like, that's, that's a shame. Because these guys are some of the best in the world, and... It's not their fault they aren't LeBron. <laughs> like the, the main guys that have been to the finals over the last decade, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, like it's not their fault they're not one of the the top players like of all time. Like, you know, you just you try, you, you do what you can, but at the end of the day it's kind of tough. Is it going to be the year for Damian Lillard now? No, and the extension that he signed during the offseason shows that he's committed to Portland, which is great for them. Unfortunately, it sucks for him because he isn't going to the finals with this roster currently constructed. Now, have we seen Stranger Things? Sure. Have we seen the Utah Jazz be 10-3 and to start the season? Yeah, sure. But are they making it? No. It's a great story for sure. But I think as long as Damon Lillard is here in Portland, he's not winning a championship. I hope that he gets to win a championship, although it's not looking legitimate unless... Like, it would be different if Portland started out like 0-12. Or like just what the Lakers are doing. There would be trade talks. But since he's winning, there's no real need to have trade conversations right now. But, you know, Anthony Simons, 19 points. He's a solid young piece. Uh, Shaden Sharp, who I believe will be a top player in the NBA... 17 points for rebounds. Like, they have good pieces. But they don't have that that next-level superstar next to Damian Lillard, who's only, like, what, 6 feet, 6'1", six maybe? He's not 6'3". He's a smaller guard. He can shoot out the gym range. Like, we all understand what he can do, but he just needs some support. Next game, we have the Boston Celtics versus the Detroit Pistons. This one, the Pistons eventually lost this one. Celtics taking it 128-112. to 112. Jason Tatum had 31 points in this one on the MVP campaign, which surprisingly, I, I was looking at it in terms of the MVP ladder, according to NBA.com. Jason Tatum isn't even top five, which uh, pretty interesting to me. I'll go, I'll go through the list real quick. For the MVP list right now, front runners, Giannis, which totally agree. There, there's no argument there for number one. He's the best player in the world on the best team record-wise. Go for it. Uh, Luka Doncic, number two, of course. That makes perfect sense. Um, Luka Doncic scored 39 times straight. Yeah, for sure. Number three, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. His team is... The second best team in the Eastern Conference, one of the best teams in the league right now. Donovan Mitchell averaging over 30 points a game, seven assists. What? Those are all NBA MVP numbers. Yes, of course. Number four, John Morant. 
averaging over 35 and 6. Yeah, I can I see that. Great stats. Devin Booker, number 5. Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah. Devin Booker, number 5. I, I can see it. Number 6, Damon Lillard. Uh, I love Dame. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. Then 7, Tatum. And maybe that's just the Celtics fan in me talking. He's my MVP pick from before the season even started. I think as the season rolls along and we see how their defense evolves over this time, over the stretch, to become that elite defense they were last season, then they'll get MVP considerations. Um, it also doesn't help that he has Jalen Brown, who on that list, uh, number 11 for MVP, right? in front of Steph Curry right below Shea Alexander. So, you know, he has some competition on his own team. That's going to take away votes from him. So, you know, I still think he could be the MVP, but as long as Giannis and Luke are doing crazy type stuff, it'll be hard for Jason Taylor to get the MVP. But one day, one day I'm sure he'll get that award. But Jalen Brown, 30 points on the evening. Al Horford with 13, 6 of 6. Six rebounds, great veteran. Sam Hauser, season high, career high, 24 points, 6 to 12 from three-point range. Just a sniper extraordinaire. Getting more minutes, which is great. Always great to see. On the Pistons side, 19 points for Jaden Ivey, also 10 rebounds. He's one of the better rebounders in his entire draft class, but especially as a guard in the league, he's consistently, I've seen him a few times, I'll get double-doubles with rebounds. So shout-out to him. Um, quiet night for Cade Cunningham, only four points, one of 11 from the field, 0 of 6 from three-point range. That's uncharacteristic. That won't happen too often. Maybe if he had a better showing, this game wouldn't have been a double-digit deficit for them. 18 for Bay, Bogdanovich was 17. Again, this Piston team is young, relatively inexperienced with some of their younger guys. Will they grow? Sure. I definitely think they'll grow. Um, a guy like Jalen Duran, who had 10 and 10 in a block. He, he'll be a focal point for this team, but for right now, they just don't have enough. Don't have enough, and that's just how it is sometimes. Similar story with the Houston Rockets, who lost to Toronto 109 to 116. Houston 2 and 10 on the year. You, you could see it from a mile away. Um, they just don't have it yet. They're a really young team. Um, Jabari Smith, 15 and 10 on the evening. Um, again, Alfred Sangoon. Like, everybody in the starting five is like, what, under 24? Except Eric Gordon. Like, supremely young team. Very young team. I think maybe Kevin Porter is, what, 25? He's 22. So, not even I'm, I'm overshooting that. Like, the starting five is incredibly young. Some of them can't even drink yet. Sangoon is 20. Dalen Green is 20. I'm a year younger than Jalen Green. It's kind of crazy to say. I'm older than Jabari Smith. <laughs> Jabari Smith's birthday is 5-13-2003. I'm 5 2003 That's pretty wild. But, yeah, this team is just young, and young teams typically don't win in the NBA. This is how it's always been. Unless you have, like, even, like, if there's a young stars, young superstars, it takes the, the veteran guys. It takes the, the older people. Um, to really be in that locker room. So, like, a team like a Memphis, like, yeah, they have a lot of young guys, but they also have a guy like Danny Green, who's been a champion, 
who's been in the league for 15 plus years or whatever, however long he's been in there. So just these little things, they, they add up over time. So Houston, they'll be in the Victor sweepstakes for sure. The, <laughs> the Victor Scoot Henderson sweepstakes. But until then, you know, nothing much to talk about with Houston. For Toronto, uh, career high, excuse me, not career high, season high, 27 points for OG Ananobi, along with 10 rebounds and three steals. Season high, 32 points for Victor. Excuse me, I'm thinking of Victor Wembanyama. That's the only thing I can think about for Houston. But for Toronto, they are not looking to get him. They are very content with what they have already. And Fred Van Vliet, 32 points, 7 of 16 from three-point range. Otto Porter Jr., champion with the Golden State Warriors, 14 points, 2 of 5 from three-point range. There's a lot of savvy veterans, savvy wings on this Toronto team. I always believe they'll be a tough out in the playoffs, six, seven games. Will they make a second round? Probably not, but, you know, it's, it's always good to see. For the next game, the Utah Jazz, a 10-3 Utah Jazz. They took on the Atlanta Hawks and beat the Hawks, 125-119. to And this one, it's more of the same. Utah, they just continue to excel. Excel over any expectations that even Utah probably had, to be, to be quite honest with you. I don't think... If you told me that Danny Ainge specifically put this lineup together and said, let's go out and start the season 10-3, and I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to, to find that realistic. When you trade away Donovan Mitchell and Rudy, Rudy Gobert, two All-NBA caliber players, and you don't get any type of All-NBA player in return, that usually means you are looking to tank. And this year was a perfect year to tank, yet... The Utah Jazz are 10-3, and number one in the Western Conference, and Lowry Markkinen looks like he is a budding star. You look at his numbers now, 23-9 for the number one team in the Western Conference. Could possibly get an all-star nod. He's only 25. It's not like he's really old. He's only 25, former seventh pick in the 2017 draft. Dropped 32-8. and eight. On great efficiency, 6 of 8 from the three-point line. You know, this Utah team, it, it's it's weird. It, it's weird for me. Because, like, you see the record in 10-3. and three, At the pace they're going, they'll probably end up winning, like, 50-ish games. But when it comes to postseason play, what are they going to do? Really, like, let's say, I, I don't think they'll keep the one seed. Uh, I, I foresee Phoenix getting the one seed. Utah will taper off. But let's say they're in a, a 3-6 matchup, a 4-6 match, a 4-5 matchup. Who are they? Yes, they could beat a team on any given night, but are they going to make it out the first round even? That's me understanding the the star-driven league that the NBA is. If Larry Markkinen becomes a true star, which is it impossible? No, he has the... He has the game. He has the offensive game for it, at least. 32 points in 31 minutes. Very impressive. They have a supporting cast that can score and that can defend at a pretty high level as well. Top 10 in both of the categories to start the season. But are they really going to 
let's say they face a Memphis team in the playoffs. Are they beating Memphis four times out of seven? I don't know about that one. I don't know if they could beat a Memphis team four times out of seven when you have John Morant, who can drop 40, 40 and 10 on any given night, who has Desmond Bain, who we'll get into shortly, but who's kind of been emerging as that second guy who we thought would be Jaron Jackson Jr. with John Morant. But Desmond Bain has turned himself into a a guy that can give you 20 on the on any given night. We thought it would be Jaron Jackson or even Dylan Brooks for that matter, but Bain has come into his own. Bain has turned himself into an elite three-point shooter, a guy that can also score in a variety of different ways. I don't know, man. This Utah team, is it a good story? Yes. Is it fun to watch? Yes. But does this mean anything if they make it to the playoffs and bounce down the first round when they could have easily mind you, just lost a bunch of games, had a great chance for a top two pick. Even if you don't get number one, it's going to get Victor finally get scooped. Even if you don't get number two, there's still a plethora of talent in this coming draft. The amount of players that you can select from in this college season, even um, G League overtime McKnight, there's so many talented players. You can't really mess up, but... If they make the playoffs, that might be messing up. Next game, we have the Brooklyn Nets taking on their crosstown rivals in the New York Knicks. And the Nets spanked them. (laughs) 112-85. They told New York to get the hell out of here. For the Nets, Kevin Durant became the first player since Michael Jordan to score at least 25 points in his team's first 12 games. Um, Kevin Durant, for a guy that has came off a normally catastrophic injury, um, a few years removed from that, averaging a calm 31 points, 6.5 rebounds, 5 assists. Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the planet still. I think people sort of doubted that a little bit after the sweep last season to the Celtics. People said, including myself, that Jason Tatum was on his level, which that's a that's a debate. <laughs> that's a debate for sure. Um, do I give the edge to Kevin Durant very slightly? Yes, as Kevin Durant is more experienced. He's a champion, MVP, all the accolades, scoring title. He he's been around the block. Tatum hasn't yet, so I'll give the nod to KD. But you know, he's he's one of the best players ever, and I think. Showing that he's still at this level after coming off his injury shows, one, the miracle of technology and the medical science that we have today and just his hard work ethic. I mean, 29 points, 12 assists, 12 boards, two blocks. Are you kidding me? There's great numbers. Um, He's basically their lone facilitator on the team, which kind of worries me. I'm not going to lie, coming down the stretch of the season, obviously they'll have Kyrie back, and uh, Ben Simmons hopefully gets in the right state of mind to really be effective as a point guard and as a player in general. But, you know, 35 minutes isn't terrible. He could do better considering his injury history. But all things considered, I mean, 
putting a triple doubles is great and all, but do you really want your 34 year old superstar to be putting on unnecessary miles and steps on his body when your sole goal is to be a championship? The season is not over for Brooklyn. Let's make this very clear right now. The season is not over for Brooklyn. After getting Jacques Vaughn now as a head coach, this team seems to be having more fun. And I think that fun equals great play. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that fun equals great play in the NBA. And defensively, they've been better. Offensively, you know, when you have Kevin Durant, and once Kyrie gets back from his suspension, I think this team will be a high-powered offense. TJ Warren still needs to come back from injury. He will help for sure. He's a guy that can give you 20 off the bench. So I think Brooklyn will be just fine. Going over to New York, uh, I think they also have the potential to be just fine. It's tough. They're 5-6. and six. I saw a stat yesterday or the day before. Um, they were 5-5. Five 5-0 and five. Five and oh against competition below 500. 0-5 oh against competition above 500. That is a wild, random ESPN stat that I found so fascinating. The definition of mid was the New York Knicks, so that was pretty. That was pretty cool to see. But you know, Julius Randle twenty four, eleven and three. RJ Barrett sixteen points. Jalen Brunson only fourteen, four fourteen. So quiet night for him. And yeah, this Knicks team has talent. Um, devoid of that true superstar. I wonder what this Knicks team in New York would be if they had Donovan Mitchell. That would be something to see because what he's doing in Cleveland, if he was in New York, oh, my God. He would be on the front cover of the Post, the Times, the, the, the Daily News, whatever. <laughs> every sports, no, every newspaper in New York and in the country would be covering Donovan Mitchell because averaging 30 in the Garden, are you serious? When's the last time that's been done? It's been a while, if at all. I'll have to go back a while. So, that's the Knicks loss. They could have traded R.J. Barrett, could have gave up a bunch of other players. Would it have worked out to me a championship? I don't think so. Because for Cleveland, they have Darius Garland, who's an all-star. You have Evan Mobley, a potential all-star. Allen, an all-star. They just have a more solid foundation compared to what the Knicks have now. And they would have to give up give up pieces to uh, acquire Donovan Mitchell. So, did the Knicks do the right thing? Maybe, maybe not. Um, Cleveland did the right thing, and they are eight and two because of it. Next game, the Milwaukee Bucks take on the Oklahoma City Thunder, and this game was close, despite the Bucks being all the way at the top of the East and the Thunder being damn near close to the bottom of the West. Milwaukee. 136 to 132. This game was, I'll mention, no Giannis, no Drew Holiday, but it was Javon Carter, their usual bench point guard, who got the start. He had a career high 36 points and 12 assists to help this shorthanded Bucks team beat an Oklahoma City team who was really trying to capitalize on not having the best player in the world on the opposing side of the court. Shagos Alexander, I mentioned before, he was a top MVP candidate in the top 10. 39 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. I can't talk enough about how special he is and how much 
or the lack thereof of attention that he gets in Oklahoma City. He's averaging 30. I guess 30 is the new 2025. Like people say, oh, okay, but nothing more. I mean, he's only 24 doing this. One of the best scores in the league, one of the young scores in the league, too. People aren't taking notice. I think they need to take notice because uh, for Oklahoma City, it's only a matter of time before they get Chet back, before they get this draft, and maybe they get the number one pick before they get Victor. They'll have a legion of six nine, <laughs> six nine guys, and uh, Pokusevsky, uh, Chet, and uh, Victor Wembanyama. And even still, like Lou Dort, although he's like six three, six four, range like long defender, stout defender. Shea Gilgis Alexander is six four, six five. Josh Giddy six six, six seven. Darius Baisley six seven. Jalen Williams six six, six seven. Trey Mann six five. Like these guys are long, athletic. This seems going to be a nightmare in the NBA for years to come. I'm telling you guys now, especially if they keep Shea Gilgis Alexander, who clearly has the potential to. Average 30 a game. This seems going to be a problem in the future. But for now, they aren't quite there yet. And the Bucks almost lost. But shout out Javon Carter. Next game, we have the New Orleans Pelicans versus the Chicago Bulls. And in this one, it was Brandon Ingram and the Pelicans winning against the Chicago Bulls. 115 to 111. Ingram, he had 18 second-half points, total 22 points. And in this one, it was a game that came down to the wire. We see, obviously, Ingram, he did his thing. Jonas Valanciunas, one of the most underrated bigs in the league. I'm going to keep saying that. He'll never get an all-star appearance, most likely, but he's a damn good center. CJ McCollum only has seven points, 3 of 13, 0 of 5 from three-point range. Quiet night for him. Zion. 19 points, 5 rebounds, solid. And for the Bulls, you know, DeMar DeRozan had 33 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, 14 and 26. Zach Levine had 23 himself. Goran Dragic with 14 off the bench. This was just a good basketball game overall. No crazy storylines to go along with it. Just solid basketball. The Pelicans 6 and 5, I thought they would be a little bit better at this point of the year. I think it'll take time. I thought they would potentially be a top three team in the West. Yes, it's still early, but just from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing a team that could potentially have a high-powered offense. But defensively, they aren't quite there yet. I project them now as a four seed. That that sounds about right, a four or five. And that's pretty good for not being, or for being a playing team than eventually being in the eighth seed. Going up to four or five is pretty good for Chicago. A team that still is missing Lonzo Ball. I wonder if he comes back, how this team will look. Because before his injury, the Chicago Bulls were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive when you consider what Boston, although Boston didn't get off to the greatest starts, but Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia, all of them. Brooklyn even, because Brooklyn was doing good too. And it was Chicago at the top of the East, so. Maybe when Alonzo Ball gets back, Chicago starts going on a win streak. Next game, we have the Grizzlies versus the Spurs. And this one, it was an overtime game. But Memphis pulling it out late, 124-122. to And this one, 
John Morant and Desmond Bain combined for 64 points, 11 assists, 11 rebounds. You're talking about backcourt plays? Talk about potential all-star backcourts? Yes, yeah, so I'm saying potential all-star because we all understand what John Morant is. But Desmond Bain, let's, can we talk about his production and him just evolving over the last few years? In 2020-2021, he had nine points a game, three rebounds, two assists. 2021-2022, it went up to 18 points, four rebounds, three assists. This year, 25 points, five rebounds, five assists. Want to talk about most improved? That's your guy. That's your guy on the 8-4 and four Grizzlies who can easily go to the East Con- excuse me, Western Conference semis if everything goes right, maybe the Western Conference Finals. This guy is an all-star caliber guard in the Western Conference. He should be an all-star. I believe he will be, especially if the Grizzlies continue to win at the rate that they are currently. And now that Jaw has a, a partner in crime, essentially, and mind you, Jaron Jackson Jr. has yet to play this year. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a guy that could be a defensive player of the year this season if he were to play. That's how special he is. And he can still give you 17 a night. Like, this Grizzlies team is locked and loaded for the next 10 years. I don't think people really talk about that enough. Like, yes, they're good now. Maybe a little earlier than scheduled. But, man, can you imagine John Morant 10 years down the line? He's already improving as a three-point shooter. Last night, 32 points, two of five from three-point reigns. Desmond Bain has been a solid shooter, a very good shooter this year. Five of ten from three-point reigns in his outing. This team has so much potential. And don't forget Dylan Brooks. 13 points, five rebounds, three of five from three-point reigns. I thought he was going to be that third wheel. I thought it was going to be Ja, then Jaron Jackson Jr., then, then Dylan Brooks. Desmond Bain, I thought he was going to be a nice rotation guy, nice 3 and D guy, but I was wrong about that. Steven Adams, 7 points, 19 rebounds. That's what you're talking about, Steven Adams. Just a mammoth of a man who will set the hardest screens in the league. People say that he's the strongest player in the league. I don't doubt that. You look at the dude, he's like, damn. He's just swole. Um, Santi Aldama. Kind of a revelation. All their shooters, um, Santi Aldama, Jake LaRavia, um, Conchar, D- excuse me, David Roddy. They have, like, legitimate depth on this roster. So, shout out to the Grizzlies organization. Shout out to the coaching staff, the people that draft, because they have drafted extremely well. Like, very well. And... They have role players, they have their superstars, they have an all-star, they have everything they need to contend. And Grizzlies, they should be making the finals in the next three years. They should be making the NBA finals in the next three years. Who who will they be facing? I'm not sure. You could say a Boston, you could say Milwaukee, there's a whole plethora of teams. We don't know what will happen. But this Grizzlies team is special. And they have a bright future ahead of them. For the Spurs, again, they played them close, 122 to 124. Jacopo, 22 points, 9 rebounds. Devin Vassell, 22. Trey Jones, I just saw Trey Jones versus Tyus Jones. That's interesting. 
Um, we have Trey on the Spurs with 11 points, 11 assists. Keldon Johnson with 16 and 8. 13 points for Jeremy Sohan, the rookie. Again, just solid, solid play from the Spurs. They're always going to play you tough. Always coached very, very well. With Popovich's team, that's more than expected. Just keeping it out west, the Phoenix Suns took on the Minnesota Timberwolves and were victorious in their match 129 to 117. This was a game without Chris Paul due to that heel injury that he sustained prior. And this one, Devin Booker, 32 points, 10 assists, being sort of that facilitator. Cameron Payne chipped in 23 points and 8 assists coming off the bench as a starting point guard role. Campaign, one of the better bench point guards in the league, always seems to be a guy that can get you highlights, but also gets you buckets and assists, and that's kind of what you want out of your bench point guard. Mikhail Bridges with 31 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals too. Always makes me happy when I see these 3 and D type of players get these big point totals because we all understand they can play defense and score threes, but when they get to the line, when they get to score off the dribble, off cuts, sort of makes me think, okay, there might be a little more something than we thought about too. There might be a little offensive game um, because that's all we look for now in the NBA, right? Either the super tall guys that can shoot threes, do a little bit of everything, or the the lanky wings that can score and defend and play make. Those are those are the guys that we look for now. Of course, the guards are always nice, but those are we can, we can find guards pretty often. But the the rangy wings and the, the tall shooting centers, that's hard to find. Also, shout out Landry Shamit, 16 points off the bench for Minnesota. For the Minnesota Timberwolves, they had 19 turnovers in this game. For a team that coming into this season, I thought they would be better. I thought that Anthony Edwards could be a most improved candidate. Just because after we saw him in the playoffs, we kind of thought, oh, okay, this is this is his year. This is his year three jump. This is going to be him taking it to the next level. And uh, so far, around the same. 21 points per game. Four assists, six rebounds. I mean, that's good. That's really good, but not great, not transcendent that Anthony Edwards has projected to be. Athletic super freak. Personality out of this world. Just a good dude from all accounts. He's a guy that I thought would be a superstar this year. Or at least a very, very high-level all-star. But trending towards that superstar category, I, th- I thought this was going to be the year. I'm going to be honest with you. You have Cat, who's an all-star, all-NBA center. Rudy Gobert, all-star, all-NBA center. I thought this team would be one of the best in the West, but I guess not. All right. The second of our inter-city battles, the Clippers. The Clippers took on the Lakers. The Clippers... They did what they have been doing for the last three years, and that is beat the Lakers. 114 to 101. This is an interesting stat. The Clippers have not lost a game to the Los Angeles Lakers since 2020, which is wild to even think about considering the Lakers, they won the championship back in 2020. And even still, after that, they had a pretty decent roster. 
just derailed by injuries that year afterwards. And from then till now, they've kind of been trash, if we're being completely honest. Clippers 7-5 on the year. No Kawhi Leonard. I think this is, what, his 9 for 10th game that he's missed. And that's something that's going to have to be addressed for the Lakers. A lot of things have to be addressed. LeBron James left the game early due to a groin injury, despite having 30. If he misses any stretch of time, this I mean, this season's already over <laughs> for this team damn near. But missing significant stretches of time is not going to bode well for the Lakers. Anthony Davis at 21-9, which, quick side note on Anthony Davis, I saw something on TikTok. I forget who it was, but the guy was saying that Anthony Davis is not only the most overrated player in the league today, but one of the most overrated players in all of NBA history because he was put on that top 75 list. That point, uh, is he the most overrated player in NBA history? No. I think there are people that are probably far more overrated. We talk about Anthony Davis in his prime. Uh, he was a guy that was considered a top five talent in the NBA, a top five player. He was the guy that was in the conversations with like Giannis. Like he was at that level. Like who was better, Giannis or Anthony Davis? And if people said Anthony Davis, they wouldn't. That that's not, wasn't a crazy answer. Anthony Davis, he was a guy that could do it all on the offensive end, a monster defensively, a guy who I feel like has the potential had. And maybe still does to be an MVP. I think he is that special of a talent on both ends of the floor. Kevin Garnett always raves about what potential he had um, in this league. I mean, look at his years. Um, 2017, 28 points, 12 boards, two assists, two blocks, a steal a game. I mean, what better could you ask for? That that's pretty damn good. And even his first Laker year. That first Laker year, if that Anthony Davis was still here, totally different situation. 26 points, 9 boards, shooting 34% from 3-point range. Totally different situation this Lakers team would be in, but he's succumbed to injury over time. He's not the same guy. It looks like he gained a little bit of weight. He was more agile, which may have contributed to the injuries. And overall, it's not the same guy. He's only 29. Hopefully, he can get it together, get back to that MVP caliber state. But, again, this Lakers thing, it was over before it started. And uh, I said it before, I'll say it again. It seems like the most realistic and reasonable option. Sell the farm. Trade everything. Trade all your assets. Get draft picks. Do what you have to do because this is not looking good. Also, LeBron James, that extension he signs, not looking too good right about now. Because can you imagine he, he's a free agent next summer and he has the option to go back home to Cleveland one final time? That would be, a one, a great story. Two, Cleveland, whose only real position of need is that forward position. You plug in LeBron James, the four-time champion, one of the best players of all time in that lineup with Donovan Mitchell, Garland, Evan Mobley, which financially that might work out. I would have to to check, but I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he has his money. 
Garland, is he still on the rookie contract? Did he get an extension? I'm not sure. Mobley, that would, that would be interesting, all I'm saying, but it's not happening. Final game, Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Sacramento Kings. Cleveland actually lost this one to Sacramento. I've always been saying Sacramento will be playing people tough. Sacramento is a very tough team. They haven't been getting the wins, but they've always been in close ones. Getting this one last night, 127-120. Second straight loss by Cleveland after starting 8-0. Sabonis, 21 points, 6 rebounds. Harrison Barnes with 20. Keegan, ba- Keegan Murray, excuse me, with 14. Darren Fox with 15. Herder with 14. Everybody in that starting lineup scored double digits. Great to see from Sacramento. And surprising to see from Sacramento, considering Cleveland, number two defense in the NBA up until that point. Surprising to see them let such a... Not necessarily an experienced team, but for Sacramento, they haven't been doing much winning. So, for that to happen, surprising. Donovan Mitchell, 38 points. He was doing his thing. Jared Allen with 20. Mobley with 16. Darius Garland, 6 points, 8 assists, 4 turnovers, 1 of 9. One of his worst performances of the season. In recent memory, one of his worst performances. He'll bounce back for sure. But... This won't derail Cleveland season by any means, but a very good win for Sacramento, who's kind of going to need to get these type of statement wins and put them together if they want any chance to really make it one outside of the play-in, outside of the lottery, but eventually, yes, to the play-in and maybe even the playoffs. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Please make sure to rate five stars so we can continue to move up on the algorithm. More people can tune in, find our podcasts. Make sure you guys share it as well. And overall, just thank you guys for, for supporting for so many weeks. Um, November's here. Obviously, Thanksgiving is almost here. Then Christmas and the new year. By then, we'll hit well over 50 episodes. Get close to 100 episodes. I'm very excited for the continuation of this podcast. Very excited for a project I'm working on in relation to the podcast as well. It's going to be exciting. A great way to get more viewers, more listeners, so they can tune in just like you guys. But until next time, guys, take care.